Blog Talk Radio. Oh my God, don't tell me you have to pardon me. I have done a whole show with my mic. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. All power to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother, Yang Nkrumah, chairman of the People's Black Panther Party. I got my brother, Chief of Staff, War on here. War. You will not believe the people what I talk to the people. You won't believe what I just did, brother. I had a whole twenty. I had a whole twenty-minute show with my mic off. <laughs> All righty. I am okay. Well, let us begin. You know what? Though I am a person who believes. I don't believe in dance. I don't believe in circumstance. So it was a reason that I wasn't on, and it and and I believe that you are. It gave an opportunity for my dear brother, Chief of Staff, to be on. We're talking about to obstruct or not to obstruct. That is the question. And and where this conversation arise from, or where it came out of, was there were a lot of little conversations that sprung up after watching uh, the murder. Man, I mean the senseless murder of George Floyd. Some of the smaller conversations that I myself participated in were what were the bystanders doing? I've heard everything from uh, they did the right thing to, man, they should have jumped in. You know, and that's where this question came up. And Chief War and I were just kicking it back and forth a little bit. And so we decided to have a topic on this. And like always, what I'm going to do is, is allow Chief War to open up and to begin the discussion on it. All right, let me do that here. Okay. Okay. Uh, first, I want to say what we have to understand and take away from this is the biggest thing I think is is this should be a calling call for our people to realize that we have to elevate this to the next level. And by that, what I mean is realize, people, that we are actually at war with the justice, justice system. 
That's the first and foremost thing. Going back to our three Ds within the within with the, within the Panther, Panther Party, define, develop, and defend. We need to define the fact and recognize the fact that we are actually at war with the Justice Department. And by saying that, what I mean is, statistically, it is obvious and blatantly obvious, and it's a fact that black people, minorities, are the main people that are locked up in prison. We populate the prisons more than we populate the the uh, the college. We know that black people are the are, are primarily are primary the target of, of of law enforcement as it applies to pulling you over, writing you citations, and locking you up. So recognize that that pattern is not coincidence. That pattern is be, uh, a act of the, a war, a declaration of war. Look at it that way first. Once we look at it as being a declaration of war, now we have to put our war, war gear on and think of it in terms of how are we going to win this war? How do we strategically and move this to the level to where we can defeat it? Because if we take on the victim mentality, what happens from there is that we just accept the fact that we are going to be victimized by the cops. So we don't want to take that path. The path we want to take is recognizing that we have war, and you don't go to war unless you go to war to win a war. So in saying that, what we must do is now start looking at this as being a direct attack against us and that we must put ourselves in a position of recognizing we are at war and come up with ways to go about dealing with this war. Number one to that is one of the things that's already taking place is we have, to get, we have to engage our people and get all of our people to recognize how the importance of video cameras. Video, videotaping. But two to that is, in addition to the, the whole point of this discussion, is that we have to escalate and take that to the next level. It's not good enough just to simply videotape it, but we literally have to find ways to engage and save each other's lives. Now, under the penal code system, I, pretty, I can't vouch for every state, but most states, there is a defense of the third person, and that is if someone's life is in danger, you have the right to, at that point, engage into the situation and save a life. So I would say if what we are doing is dealing with a situation where you have, especially if you have multiple people videotaping an incident to where someone's life is being threatened by a police officer, someone, someone you know, is about to lose their life, why not have someone get in front of the camera at that point, get in front of the camera and say, I am about to intervene in this situation and protect or save such and such life. If I don't know the person, whatever, save a life. And then at that point, you do something to create a, dis- a distraction or even if you have to strategically in a non-threatening way engage to the point to where you prevent the officer or draw the officer's attention away from doing something that's about to kill someone onto yourself and you make sure that you constantly are announcing the fact that I'm saving a life, saving a life. You come up with a chant, you come up with something to where y'all are engaging that officer and you're stopping them from doing that stupid act that they're doing. So that's part of the procedure in dealing with this. Number two to this is we have to enact in, in, in and deploy the scenarios again. This is a perfect opportunity for us to start reengaging in the community and start having cop watches again. And what we have to do with that is what this does is this puts the police officers on the defensive. This puts the police department on the defensive because what happens at that point is they know that they're being followed. 
because they are following our people. They are trying to pull our people over and citate us and take us to jail. But when they know that they're being followed by people of the community to make sure that they actually are doing what they're supposed to do, and that's protecting the community versus, uh, in, you know, going around being a good stopper and putting people in jail, then the whole mentality and the whole process changes. Now, with that, I go into that as we keep going on in terms of the ways that we can go about setting up that cop watch and the, and the things that you want to do within that. Number, uh, number three to this is what we should do also do is go back to the position of trying to work on in, in establishing police review boards that are none associated with the police department and internal affairs. But we want to have external ones with powers to actually deal with these, these crooked cops. So those, to me, would be three of the things that we want to do as we declare open war has been declared against us as it applies to the justice, justice system. But we need our people to look at it from that venue, that perspective, recognizing that we are at war, recognizing that we must elevate this to the next level. And I'm not, and I'm, I want to also say this, I'm not advocating that we take this to the position of, of violence. What I'm advocating is that we take this to the position of seeking true justice, seeking a, a solution to stopping ourselves from being put in, put in prison and killed and murdered and slaughtered by the police, crooked police officers. But we do that by, we, by actively engaging the microscope on the justice system. And that's what we, we, we must do, and that's what's not being done. A lot of what's being done is, is dealing with things from a, a um, I would say, a reactionary position. Someone right. dies or someone gets killed by the cop, and now all of a sudden we want to go out and protest. But what we're not doing is we're not dealing with this on the front end. That's why I say to realize that we are at war. When we declare open war is, 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 is being a cast against us, then we start coming up with measures and active measures to stay involved, be involved, and actually change the dynamics of what's happening. Because the whole point is to come to the table with solutions. And we can't come to the table with solutions and, 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 and not be willing to act and, uh, put, them, put them into action. And this people takes the community to be involved. So the People's Black Panther Party is calling on action from the community. We, our numbers are too small as organizers to think that we can do all of this work. But it takes the community to be involved if you want consistent change. If we want to empower the people and we want our people to actually engage and stop this madness from happening, then it takes the, the community to actually organize that. It takes the community to enforce that. So that's kind of what we're advocating. And the first foremost thing is to recognize that we are at, at war with the justice system. And then we start putting in the procedures into place to start dealing with that war so that we can win. Okay, absolutely. Let's touch on a few of those things. Let's run down, you know, because one of the things that you reiterate, we're saying at the People's Black Panther Party, it shouldn't be new to your ears. You hear it. It is a common chant, a phrase, a statement, a declaration all throughout the black community that we're at war. So, you know, while we have Chief on the line, let's benefit from his experience. We're at war. So, Chief, what does this mean for uh, John Blow citizens, every brother and sister? that aren't really in the movement, they don't belong to an organization, they may not be, I don't want to say not informed. I don't want to say that. Uh, I think that can be misleading. You know, they may be news watchers, but they may not be up on the so-called African culture or all the things that we've come to associate with 
being conscious, but it's everyday citizens. What can they do to prepare themselves for and to uh, quite possibly uh, educate themselves more on the fact that we are at war without going actually to the John Henry Clark charges and that, but just something you know common and practical that's in their face that can do that information through an apparatus to just hip them what the hell is going on. I would say from that standpoint is is like what we're doing now first first and foremost with this broadcast is is to inform the people. As the people, you know, uh, you know, go out to these protests or they watch the news and they and, and they start recognizing that there is a situation, look at the pattern. Look at not not only just look at the pattern for what it is, but again, when you go into the position of recognizing that we are war, you need to seek out organizations, seek out groups that are solution based in terms of making sure that we actually tackle the problem and, and not just simply bring uh, bring up the problem. Because what happens too often is we get inundated with, with, with a lot of messages of, hey, these, these, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. Whereas you get people get caught up and wrapped up in this whole concept of exposure as if that itself, in itself is a solution. Simply exposing something as being a problem is not the solution. Our people need to, to, to not get so caught up and wrapped up in the concept of exposure. And so what we have to do is we have to deal with people that are actually bringing to the table and organizations that are bringing to the table solutions. And unfortunately, what happens is with this information society and an age, a lot of people, and there's a lot of people yelling this and yelling that and going around talking about what the problem is. But what we're telling you right now is now that you are aware that there is a problem, now that we understand that we are that war is being declared, what we must do at this point is we must actually recognize that if the individuals that are that are shouting about problems, 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 are not actually sh- also shouting problem solution, problem solution, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. And I think what happens more than often is our people get inundated with so much problems, so many problems, that it, it in itself creates a paradox. But what we need to be doing is focusing on those people that are promoting problem solution and not just simply problem, problem, problem. And I think that's where a, a lot of our, our, why a lot of our people don't get involved is because they're so, there are so many different directions they can, they can get thrown and thrusted into. And so what we want to do is create a clear stream of concepts, and that is when you a problem is proposed to you, then they have to, whoever's proposing that problem needs to come with a solution. And that you solution know, must involve them as well as, as a collective. Yeah. Go ahead. I, you know, one of the things I think that, and it's funny you say it, because I think one of the things that has, does happen to us as an African people is we begin to turn these organizations into cheerleading courts. We come into it and even a lot of times we join them for that where we can sit around and <clears throat> we find different ways to point out the same problem. Who can say it the deepest? You know what I'm saying? It's never really solution-oriented. Solution like you said, you can go to various organizations and hear people talking about the same problem just in a different way, whether they use a Quran, a Bible, whether they're using the political manifesto, uh, you know, this viewpoint or that viewpoint, but you never hear the solution. 
think that's good. Also, to touch on what you were talking about, um, the reaction. We know reaction is normal. You know, this uh, response to the injustice of black people in America is, is normal. It's a righteous indignation, um, and it's normal. But like Chief is saying, or what I'm gathering from what Chief is saying, that after that is, and in conjunction with, is a, it must be goal-oriented, it must be focused, it must be forward-thinking. Okay, you had your, blow it off your chest, we're sick of the injustice, you know, we saw it before in the Watts riots, and Rodney King, and, uh, you know, and now with this, and countless riots before, but our, either our inability, our unwillingness to take that momentum turn it into something. We have not just the nation's attention, the world's attention. What are we going to do with that? That is, you know, I, I hope, I propose that as a question to some of that, some of our more uh, you know, black power, black nationalists and groups. Another question if I wanted to go, you know, again, you could tell back on because you said about about see things, criminal acts taking place, and taking a life is a criminal act. First, this is, let me say this. Not only is this just gross and obscene and sick because I'm a black man, I think any human being should be appalled. Any human being's stomach should turn at just a blatant disregard for life. You can't have sick people walking around like that. That's da- he is dangerous. Right. He is a dangerous human being. Just for black people, he said, "Oh, weirdo alert! You put blinkers on that. That dude is dangerous, man." And, and, and so, just anybody who has, loves life and appreciates life and the space of others. walking around like that, but that they're employed by the state. That the state, either their psychological exam isn't up to par enough to let these clowns get through, or it's bla- or it's intentional. What other? Somebody tell me something. But I'd like to go back, I don't want to digress, to go back to what Chief was talking about um, on the video. Touch back on that again, man, if you could. You know, carrying the video and the right to when you see a criminal act taking place and that of especially the, someone taking someone's life and even if they're a law enforcement um, intervening. Okay, what I would say in regards to that, and, and again, we're not giving legal advice. Let me let me let me get that disclaimer. But what we're doing is we're what we what we we are doing though is we want our people to recognize. This is why I say. Go into this knowing that we are at war. When you go into this knowing that we are at war, you have to realize there will be casualties. Right. But what we want to do is we are going at this from a position of winning the war. Thereby, look at it like this. Either someone, either you're going to stand there and watch some videotape someone get his, lose his life, or you, since you are already videotaping and it's already being videotaped, why not? And I'm assuming that we're talking about more than multiple angles at this point, or in a position where you definitely make making sure that you're not the only one there holding a camera. You first 
first and foremost, draw a crowd. You draw a, uh, you get people involved so you can get multiple eyes on the incident. So this is taking an, an active role in, pre- in preventing someone's life from being taken. You get, you get bystanders, you get witnesses. And, and at that point, now what you do is you face the camera, get your face on the camera, and it's important to do that because you want your lips moving on the video so that no one can try to say that it is doctored. Get your face on the camera saying, I am going to save this person's life by stopping this law enforcement from committing an, elite, an illegal act of murder. You reference it as being the law enforcement is overstepping their bounds, and what they are doing is they are committing a violation because they're using excessive force, and they are jeopardizing the life of this individual. And my goal is to simply intervene and stop this act of aggression that is going to, that is going to take a life. And you get you say something to that nature on the camera, and then you do whatever is necessary from that standpoint to prevent that loss of life. By saying that, I'm not saying you are going to take the officer's life. This is not at all what we're saying. So I want to make sure that's clear as why I'm giving a disclaimer. But what I am saying, for instance, if you are standing within a 20 feet radius of this situation, you could raise your hands. Why are you on camera and saying, save life, save life, and you start engaging and walking toward that officer? As you walk right. toward an officer, especially if we're talking about one that has their knee on somebody, they're going to they're gonna at that point stand up and possibly point their gun at you. But at the moment that they stand up, now they're not, they're no longer have their knee on that individual. Or right. if they have someone in a legal chokehold, they're no longer going to have that person in that chokehold. You see what I'm saying? And at that point, you have saved life, and now you can start backing back up and get in, in, in making sure that you're, you know, out of the situation. And now that officer may call you over and try to say, at this point, you have, you have, uh, you know, gotten involved in uh, a police affairs, and now they're gonna, you're gonna place you under arrest. Hey, we have to be willing to accept that from the team because what you did is you saved a life. I'm not saying that you won't get arrested, but what I am saying is. Which one is better? Save a life or simply stand there and videotape someone else's life getting taken? I love it. That's why I, I think we it. have to realize the casualty of war. Go ahead, Chuck. I love it. I, I love it. it. It forces one to action. You know, it's easy to fall into machoism and bravado. It's easy to, you know, uh, to play Rambo and to say these very courageous and bold words and these badass statements, but something as simple, we're not even asking you to go to that limp. We're not even asking you to back up all of that stuff you're saying. We're saying, like Chief said, save a life. Raise your hand. You don't even have to, you know, listen, to reiterate what Chief said. <clears throat> you, We're not asking you to be violent, to go and beat the pigs, but though I'd love to dog walk that dude personally. I would never ask anyone to incriminate themselves, to endanger themselves, or any of that. But what we are asking is that we raise our uh, moral understanding, that we begin to stand for something bigger than just our material possessions and our immediate gratification. 
that we raise, even if you raise your hands, screaming, save lives, begin to walk in that officer's space, make him yeah. feel uncomfortable. You don't even have to make him feel intimidated. His procedure and training is going to make him secure the perimeter and make sure everything's under control. It, he, it's going to be an automatic response for him. If, right. If you start walking in or two or three cats, or, or imagine if two or three people raise their hands up in a hands up, don't shoot, you know, an armed position screaming, save lives, save lives, walking to the people like, what the heck? He's going to pull his right. taser. He's going to let him go. Right. You know? And pull that say, back up. Back up. 10 one one three sixty eighty nine. And Negro's doing the strangest thing. You know. Um, so that's excellent. Hey, what I did want to touch on, though, because you mentioned Cop Watch. We got have a lot of new people coming into the movement. And a lot of them may not be familiar with the movement of Cop Watch and how just prolific, to me anyway. Watch was in exposing the criminality and brutality of police towards minority people, poor people, uh, and just, I think, would even say, you know, I know they were the precursor to all of this kind of stuff, but they had a direction. And I would even dare say they were a deterrent, you know, for police. If they weren't, you know, uh, a factor, if they weren't the reason. I know they were a factor in police getting body cams. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So let's talk about, let's, you know, touch on Cop Watch and how could people get involved with Cop Watch or start something like a, similar to a Cop Watch with just their group. All right. First, I, w- I want to say let's talk about some of the dynamics that have to be recognized when you talk about a Cop Watch. Okay. The thing about a cop watch, people, and again, this is because we're we're defining ourselves as being at war. And if you define yourself as being at war, you recognize that what you're dealing with is not something that's going to be an overnight solution, but that you are willing to get into the trenches and make a difference. And if we make a difference and we set a president and make a difference, then you will change the dynamics and you will set a standard for changing the scenario. And cop watch will be one of those. The way the cop watch thing will work, though, is it, it takes consistency, it takes perseverance, and it takes it, it takes manpower. It takes it takes multiple people. Cop watch is not something you can do with just two or three people. If you want to have an effective cop watch, you're going to need a cadre of people that are willing to uh, take shifts. Because if 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 your cop watch is, is something you do two hours. On, on a Saturday afternoon. Come on. It's not going to have an impact. All right? Okay. Uh, a defective cop watch is something that actually has to happen every day. And not only every day, but what we need to do before you establish your actual route, before you actually jump out there and say, okay, we're going to start doing our cop watch, the first and foremost thing you want to do is pull statistics. You want to make sure that you are dealing with the areas or you want to find out the areas that are most hard hit and you want to try to find out what specific uh, beats that are hard hit. So you have to do good intel. You do your good intel and now you know these are the areas that we need to predominantly focus our top watch on. And once that is established, you also, within it, within it until you also figure out what, what, what hours, if you just say you can only do so many hours a day. But hopefully that can be every day. But then you want to try to concentrate on what those hours are. 
So once you have that information, what you do is within a decent cop watch. You have to and you have to have some, have some money. You have to put some money together, and you have to put you know get some equipment. What you have to have is uh, what we always recommend is is a two a three team cop watch um, factor. The three teams will be you have a home base operation. Home base operation is obviously monitoring things on scanner, uh, as well as keeping track of, of the of the two other teams that are out there in the field and making sure they they are the one that's directly in contact with a bells bondsman if you need it, directly in contact with you know um, other resources. So this is a person that that has an open communication channel that's just monitoring things at home. And then you have a team A and a team B. Team A is going to be the team that actually engages the, the law enforcement, that actually drives directly behind the law enforcement as they're conducting their duties. Now, Team B is the team that trails Team A in the event that they are monitoring Team A to make sure that the officers don't do nothing crazy to that team. Because when you start mounting a successful cop watch, what happens is the cops themselves will start trying to do stuff to actually jeopardize or, or, or intimidate the cop watchers. So you have a team B that is actually doing field surveillance and recording of the actual motion of the team A as they carry out their duties with the cops. This is why I say that from that standpoint, it, it's going to take manpower. Now, that ain't, necess- that, ain't, that ain't mandatory that you have two teams like that, but the reason why I've done that is because in the past, we've had scenarios where cops would, would pull us over and say that uh, as the team A, so to speak, the ones that are directly intervening with the cops, pull us over and say, hey, you're not standing within a reasonable distance, or they basically try to create situations where, hey, you, uh, you, you were tailgating us, so I'm going to write you a ticket for tailgating. Uh, just all kinds of crazy men. And, and would try to basically uh, citate or put us in a position of where we can't monitor them doing their job. So Team B, having all this on video, on, on, on you know, recording it, would catch the cops basically trying to violate our rights. And not only that, what we would also do, in the event that the cop, uh, cop tried to get belligerent or felt like they thought they was going to get the upper hand on Team A, once... With Team B, since Team B is in constant contact with them, the the, the worst thing the cop would would, uh, would would happen to them is that all of a sudden when they call themselves trying to violate the rights of Team A, over the radio, a two-way radio, they hear Team B say, we got it on camera, don't, don't worry about it, just let the officers do what they're going to do. And all of a sudden now they realize that they're being monitored somewhere and they don't even know where the hell it's coming from of them violating the rights of Team A. So then they realize that, oh, they done stepped up their game. They actually are in a position where they are secretly recording or, 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 or monitoring us as someone is, is directly monitoring us. So what you got at that point is you have your Team B that are gathering evidence. You got your Team B that are basically, basically doing the legality aspect and handling uh, the protection of Team A as Team A prevents the law enforcement from just belligerently taking, you know, doing things to, to, to the community. And by you, you know, Team A doing what they do at a reasonable distance, you know, you just basically monitoring the cops, following them around, or you going around areas where supposedly, you know, cops have a bad beat and they violate our rights. So as you do that, what this does is this creates a perimeter to where now all of a sudden the, the law enforcement know that they are being monitored. 
And once they know that they're being monitored, now they have to be on their best behavior. And by doing this, and then even so, you want to try to break up the monotony of when you op- uh, actually do your maneuvers. So, for instance, if you were to do it every uh, every day at from, you know, the hours of midnight to 4 a.m. or something like that, then from time to time you obviously need to break that cycle and get it within a different beat because you never want the, op- the officers and law enforcement to know that y'all have a strict schedule. That's one of the worst things you can do because at that point, then they would just obviously operate within, with, around that schedule. So what you do is you want to make sure that you that they don't know exactly when you're always doing it. And by doing this, what happens is it, it puts the entire department on, on, on alert because you could be doing a cop watch at any given time. And they also know just because they don't see you, fact that you operate within a position of, of, of remote surveillance, that even though they don't see you trailing them, that they still could be possibly being recorded. And see, again, attacking this from the position of knowing that we're at war, once the cops have that, that mentality in their head, it changes the way the department operates. It, it forces them to have to get rid of these bad seeds because they can't allow cops, roll cops to continue to operate the way they do because they are going to get filmed, they are going to get busted, and they're going to get done, and this is going to take place by the community. And then that obviously is going to make the police department look bad, and the police chief look bad, that's going to make the mayor look bad, that's going to make city council look bad. That's going to make everybody within a, a political, high political position look bad because it is now taking the community to take this to the next level and actually form a cop watch program in order to actually clean up the streets because the cops can't be trusted. And when we operate on that level, period, point blank in our cities, and we tackle it from that position, it will force the, 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 uh, the politicians and the community to take things to a different level because now they recognize that all across the United States, we are having to monitor and monitor the police. We're having to have people take their time out their day just to make sure the police are doing their job. And once that standard is established, it will change the dynamics. You will not have what you have going on now to where it's just open season on black folks, open season on locking us up. So we have to wow. do that. And, part of, and again, part of doing that is gathering intel. I would even go as far as to say one of the things that we were successful and able to do is keep in mind you got cluckers out there. You got people that are part of the system who, who benefit from the system. You, you find out from these people in the community who the bad cops are. Because you will be surprised who people get their dope from. And this just helps you be able to deal with. Yes, go ahead, Chairman. Let me, let me, let me. Because, you know, we, we, we got our listeners. You went hood on them. You hit them with the clucker. <laughs> Please explain to them what a clucker is. All right. When I talk about that, is I talk about your, your average dope fiend. Your average dope fiend that may be on the corner who actually knows who the bad cops are because they get they, they get their dope from certain drug dealers who are also being protected by certain bad cops. So, believe it or not, there's a lot of people within the community that actually know who the bad cops are. Mm. But because they are at the bottom, uh, you know, sc- uh, scraping the barrel, nobody listens to them. Nobody cares about they them. Below you know, yeah, they fly below radar because they, they have a problem, and they are kind of sort of part of the problem within the community. 
But everybody can have a story. Everybody can play their role in dealing with things being at war. Again, if we recognize that we are at war, we have to deploy our spies. Right. So your spy network can make up of these people that don't have nothing to gain or nothing to lose from the situation. Man, that is heavy. That's implementing the, the war in the political field. We call that the lumping proletariat. But listen, you touched on something, too, about this cop watch. <clears throat> Excuse me. You were saying in the beginning uh, that it's going to take some finances and that you might have yep. to, and not, not might, that you're going to have to have equipment. What is some of the, the basic things, if someone was going to sort out, what are some of the equipments that, you you know, you say they would have to have? It's necessary for them to have to have a successful operating cop watch. Okay, let me let me break this down. Okay. For the average person, the average person uses a phone, their cell phone, a smartphone, a video recorder. But when you're doing a, a good top watch program or you decide to be an advocate person for video good video surveillance, then you actually need to have a dedicated camcorder that has a digital zoom and and a, 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 an ability to add an auxiliary zoom microphone. Because keep in mind, a, a cell phone can usually only zoom up to eight eight times. But if you buy an actual camcorder, you can get up to 200 zoom, digital zoom. And then you can uh, in, install auxiliary zoom microphone. So even if you're not able to get up close to the, 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 the situation, you can zoom in and get good footage. So I would say a camcorder that has Wi-Fi capability, that way you can video stream your recordings as they're happening. In the event that the cops try to confiscate your equipment, they, you, you already have the video footage being archived, you know, remotely from the camcorder. So that's one of the good things about having that type of equipment is because you are able to record that database. And, and going back to the home base operation, home base operational monitor can be monitoring the feeds from the video recording because you can have the can you literally have your camera upload video Wi-Fi to your camera tether your camera uh, tether your, your your camera to your phone and your phone could be videotaping it up to a server Facebook or whatever so we can get real technical on that aspect and you can have your video camera again backing up the feeds that are coming in and home base operations can be monitoring all these feeds and archiving everything and being and being and, ed- and dealing with editing right on the spot so that they can lay to get this information over to uh, the different media outlets if, if necessary. So what a cop watch is doing is you're dealing with things from a, from a multiple tier standpoint. Number one, you're directly intervening in a situation to where cops you know are, 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 are committing crimes or basically just unlawfully citating and just creating havoc in the community. So you're addressing that on the front end. On the back end, what you're also doing is building a database and archive of these incidents, of these situations, so that you can take things to a legal standpoint, and now all of a sudden you start hurting the law enforcement and the justice system because you're building cases where you can come at them civilly. And in doing so, now you're going to hurt them in the pocketbooks. So you're tackling it by you're saving lives on the front end, and you're building cases and you're creating a situation on the back end to where if they don't get their act together, now all of a sudden it's going to cost them. It's going to cost them dearly. So you, you're hitting this from multiple angles. And that's one of the good things about that. Now, going back again to some of the equipment, you, you want to have real good uh, quality video cameras. I also recommend having 
um, high intensity flashlights that that have like you can get two two uh, two million candlewatt uh, uh, spotlights now. You have those. You also use a few hidden cameras that you can you can pin a camera on your body as well as have the video camera going your your camcorder in your hand as well as again if if you're able to get real technical and you're able to do your intelligence figure out some of the the hot spots that cops are going to be at you set up secret uh, video cameras and you've got have these field recorded cameras going you know throughout the day and then you come back and you can retrieve that information at a later time you know, it's, so the different things like that. So again, a Zoom microphone, your uh, camcorder, hidden video cameras. Uh, you need obviously you need a digital scanner that's able to pick up the actual feeds of what's going on, so that you can get to the activity when it's happening. As well as you have, I would say, have a good laptop or something to where you can, you know, write your field reports, have a, 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 and also deal with the beats of the police officers. Is, is we have to recognize that it's not just simply having a smartphone. It's about having whatever type of equipment we need to actually conduct a full-scale operation. And that's, that's part of it. There's administration involved. And that's why I say when you're dealing with something like this at this magnitude, you have to be prepared to go, to go at it from the standpoint of recognizing we at war. You have to have some two-way radios. So that's part of part of the, the, the equipment as well. I recommend having night vision, and not only just uh, the, the uh, moonlight night vision or starlight night vision, but even thermal night vision. We can get you if you can afford that. You get that type of uh, of equipment. So not a lot of times it may it may be encountering a police officer or or catch an off-duty cop or you catch police officers doing things they ain't got no business doing, especially when you you get real good intel. Some some of the deals that some of the operations apply to cop watch are not to directly engage into law in the law enforcement, but to actually monitor and catch cops doing bad things that they ain't got no business doing. So that's part of a good cop watch op- operation. So it, it basically involves investigative work as well. So right. we want to be equipped with the, being, being able to do that. And again, this is dealing with things from the standpoint of recognizing that we have to come to the table with solutions. Solutions are not, uh, most often than not, are not going to be something that's super easy and everybody in a mama can do it because everybody in mama would do it if it was that easy. This is why we have been victims because too, too few of us are willing to stand up and commit our lives to coming to the table and stopping something. But quite honestly, if there was a certain percentage of us that would stand up, that is all it takes. It doesn't take everybody to make this happen. It just takes a greater percentage than 0.001% of our people being involved. If we look at the people that are on the forefront of our movement right now, and you break that number down versus the number of population, you will see why we are in a position and conditions we're in now. To give you a good scenario with that, recognize that police departments operate based upon the population percentage within a specific area. If they are serving, if there is a community of 100,000 people, then there is a percentage of, of law enforcement that have to be employed as a result of dealing with that, that community. And we have to right. know that those same statistics 
go into anything that you want to deal with and be successful at. If we want to make a crack and, and change the dynamics of police brutality, then we need to raise our percentage of people that are involved. Because if you raise the percentage of people that are involved, then you actually got active people, active eyes, always monitoring, always on them at any given time. And when they have that built into their mind that they never know who is monitoring them, who is, is, is overseeing, and who is, is getting into the business of, of the justice system to make sure that the justice system is, is not doing what it's doing currently now, and that's oppressing black people and locking people up for no damn reason, then it would change the situation. It would change the dynamic. Because let's look at this for what this is. The justice system is built around economics, just like any other system. There is money to be made by locking black folks up. For one, they confiscate your property. Number two, they inundate you with with citation, which is what? Bringing money into the city budget. Number three, once you get into the system, what what do you do? Now you're cheap labor. Now you're free labor again. This is a this this entire system of our quote unquote justice system is built around the economics of oppression. And the way that we tackle that is we have to tackle and get into their pocketbooks and break apart that economic that economic benefit. Because right, right. now the economic benefit outweighs the little few bad apples that are out there. So believe it or not, the fact that so few people are actually getting caught doing bad things in terms of law enforcement, they can keep operating like this. This one incident that we're dealing with here currently with George, that do we if we if we recognize that this kind of thing is happening every day. This is not no one off incident. This is happening every day. But we are not catching it every day. We don't have the evidence of this happening every day. And we're not bringing that information forward. If we were able to prove beyond shadow of a doubt and we document and we, and, and we knock out the system by showing the oppression that is taking place, by showing that you have this many bad apples within the law enforcement, by showing that they are unjustly locking people up, unjustly uh, writing tickets and, 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 and all of this, if we are able to mount our information to prove this, it will change it because the system will get sued so much, the system will get exposed so much that there is no longer an economic benefit for the justice system to continue to operate in which it does, the way it does. The justice system operates off of the concept of capital. Our entire system, this is going into something different, but our entire system is based around economics. You have to make it non-profitable. This is what we have to do to protect the bad officers, non-profitable, to continue to lock black folks up for no reason. So knowing we are at war, we have to attack things at the root cause, and we have to deal with the root benefit. That is addressing things from, again, defining what is in the best interest of black people, developing solutions to deal with what is in the best interest of black people, and then be able to defend long-term our, 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 our um, infrastructure of this movement. And we do all of this stuff by dealing with the fact that we recognize we are at war and we tackle the capitalistic system where it hurts. Everything is built around an economy. Everything is built around making money. They are making money off our free labor. 
They are making yep. money by locking us up. They are making yep. money off of our ignorance yep. of not yep. knowing or not willing to participate in our own freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so absolutely. all of that goes together. So we absolutely. need to raise the dynamic and raise the amount of, of, of us that are actually involved. If we really want to make a difference, if we really want to be solution-based, it is going to take the community to be involved. And the community, we have to look at this for what this is, and we have to be willing to participate in part of the solution. And that is not going to be something that is easy. So buckle down, be willing to put your boots on the ground, be willing to be part of the, of the solution. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what you know. I think the theme of it all is said. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to take everyone's involvement. Listen, we've come up on our time. I enjoyed this conversation. What I do want to do is have a question because I have more questions. And as you begin to expound on uh, those t- topics, you just brought up more. I'm like, hey man, he's dropping today. Wow. One of the things come back and touch on, which I didn't get to touch on this time, is you spoke about police review board. You also went into that about being involved. I want to get you back and I want to talk about how people can be involved. What are some of the ways that we can be involved? What are some of the ways you were talking about how this is in a nation based on the economy, how is a capitalist uh, country always just so capitalism is profit over people. You know, I put it in term is capitalism is the, the abandoned house, the house with no family, and the family at the bridge with no house. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't pay a, a, a bank note, so it doesn't take into consideration the human condition. So right. I do want to come back and touch on all those things, man, you know, touch about the showing. You know, when you said something about we have to show this you know, and absolutely show them and show the, you know, the world. Isn't it about time that we show the world or the world is watching? What is our message to the world? So there's so much. You think, I don't know what's happening. Maybe not this weekend. Maybe we'll look to uh, a Monday. I think we got a lot going on Saturday and Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe we'll look to a Monday. Listeners, I'll give you a heads up, but maybe we can get war back. Let's try to get them commit online. You think we can get you back, war? Yes. Yep. Let's make it happen. Hey, man, let's make it happen. All right, we appreciate everybody for listening. This is the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm your chief, Yang and Kruba. Our dear brother, Chief of Staff, Robert War, all with us. Just bringing up some things. Truck the Nile Truck. Some ways involved. We talked about the cop watch. The community, definitely being involved. Community to stand with the war. Uh, the ways to organize an effective cop watch. Some of the need and we got them to promise to come back to talk about some ways you can be involved. Until then, I leave you as I reach you. All powers to a people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power.